Yeah, there's a couple of things there. I think, first of all, the more time you spend um, in stretch, actually, the bigger your comfort zone gets because you become comfortable being uncomfortable. So actually, you just become more tolerant of putting yourself out there so you can start to grow more and more and more. Welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Uh, Today, I have Sarah Furness on the show. Uh, Good afternoon to you, Sarah. Good afternoon. Very good to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you. You are a former combat helicopter pilot and squadron leader for the Air Force, Royal Air Force. And uh, as, a, as a squadron leader, you led um, operational combat tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, you're also, which I didn't realize this, looking into your bio, the first female pilot to fly and lead UK Special Forces missions into Iraq. Uh, you're also the founder of, of Well Be It, where you work with teams and organizations to help tough, busy people feel as strong as they look. You're a keynote speaker. Uh, with a passion for helping uh, teams perform better, save time, feel stronger under pressure, and also best-selling author of Fly High. Well, that's a long introduction. Lots of stuff there, lots of experience, lots of insights. And we will be exploring today about uh, leaning into discomfort as a leader and what the benefits of that are and how we can do that and what does that really mean. But before we get into that, Sarah, I want to ask you, what do you love about what you do? Um, yeah, a great question. And thank you for giving me some notice that you were going to ask because it wasn't, it it was something I wanted to think about. I think, um, so now I make, um, most of my time kind of delivering what I do, actually delivering on stage and giving keynote, um, speeches. So I think what I love most about that is, you know, when people come up to you afterwards, obviously they'll say very nice things, which is nice. But I think what I really love is when they kind of say, you know, I do that too, or I'm glad it's not just me. Or, um, you know, when you said that, it helped me to realize that actually this is what I've been, uh, you know, uh, finding challenging or whatever. So, um, I think the word I use here is permission. I think sometimes, you know, as much as I'm a big believer in self-empowerment and the only person who needs to give you permission to be you is you, the fact is we're human beings and we all look to each other for a bit of validation. Um, and my privilege is to stand on stage and kind of say the things that maybe are in people's head, but they haven't either reflected on yet or they didn't know they needed to or wanted to and I kind of get to go first and go look this is my experience could this be the same for you and people go actually it is the same for me so you feel this wonderful sense of connectedness and you feel like you're kind of giving them permission to kind of be their wonderful selves I hope so uh, that's a long answer but that's why I need some time to think about it (laughs) no no and it's lovely and I think I know what you mean by the permission piece where almost actually understanding that other people are experiencing this as well is really helpful isn't it and i think that's really helpful in terms of that context um we're talking about discomforts in leadership and and i'm sure you've had a, a few discomfort moments in your uh, certainly your military career <laughs> along the way but can, can you explain to me what what do we mean by sort of discomfort in the context of leadership what what, what does that mean to you yeah absolutely so i think it took me a, a while to work this out but i think actually we're more afraid of things that won't kill us than things that will kill us you know when I think about um, things that interfered with my ability to assess risk for example it wasn't dying 
that scared me. It was looking stupid you know, or someone calling me out and saying that was a terrible decision. And actually, that's not at all uncommon when you look at these people who are supposed to be very brave. Actually, it's not the sort of the bombs and the bullets. It's, you know, it's fear of what other people will think of them. So for me, leaning into discomfort is leaning into those areas where you're afraid of the, you know, the, it's a personal risk taking. You're afraid of failure or you're afraid of being rejected or you're afraid of being called out. So it's kind of, um, I suppose it's, the emotional courage. Uh, we talk a lot about vulnerability these days, don't we? So I suppose it's about being vulnerable. But that's what I mean by leaning into discomfort. But And I think also being prepared to look inwards and understand why you're putting barriers up and going, oh, I don't like that. And the reason I don't like that is usually because I'm afraid that I'm not enough. And most of us don't want to go there and have that conversation with ourselves. Um, and it's not to say that we should spend all day there um, kind of languishing and, and feeling sorry for ourselves. But I think a bit of inwards reflection to kind of go, yeah, the truth is underneath all this, um, you know, um, bravery and, and the mask that I put on underneath all of this, I'm, I'm scared and I want to be loved. Um, and I think that is an uncomfortable thing to do. We don't want to do it. But I think when we do, we realize why we might be getting in our own way, what might be interfering with our judgment and allow us to be better leaders. And it requires lots of, not just honesty with others, but honesty with ourselves, doesn't it? In terms of how we're truly feeling and how we're sort of what what what, what things are making us feel scared or uh, certain nervous about things, and 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 then what comes with that is this sort of transparency. And um, you talked about you know having that feeling of you know bullets coming at you as you could die versus making a fool of yourself. Those feelings in some sense are the same feelings aren't they psychologically they feel the same and you know a brain can't distinguish whether it's a saber-toothed tiger reality mm -hmm. or just you're going to do a presentation in front of somebody or whatever it may be how do we decipher how do we sort of work that through in our psyche how have you done that in terms of how have you deciphered that as well yeah. And I think that's such a valid point because people will often say, oh, well, you know, I don't know what it's like to go what you go through. Actually, if you've experienced fear, you know exactly what it's like. And as you rightly say, the emotion is still the emotion, whatever it is that's triggered it. Um, and because we by and large live in quite a safe world, we've learned to be afraid of things that won't kill us. So it's all very normal and we don't need to feel bad um, about ourselves for that. Um, and I think this is where um, is it Daniel Kahn talks about thinking um, the system one and system two thinking. The, th the system one thinking is your your chimp brain, your fight or flight, and that's what's going to produce the fear. Um, and there's no point trying to change that. Fear is um, a, a very reactive emotion. It's designed to try and keep us safe. So there's no point trying to change it or giving ourselves a hard time. What we need to do is kind of get out of system one thinking and get into that system two thinking, i.e. engage the cognitive rational brain. Um, and there are certain things that you can do um, that help with that. Um, and a lot of that's down to training. A lot of that is reflecting on things when you're feeling calm and resourced. So you can't do it in the moment when you're scared. That's, you're asking too much of yourself. But when you're feeling a bit calmer or when you feel you know, in a safe space um, to talk about these things, then you can explore them and go, ah, oh, okay, that's actually just my fear of rejection talking. So that in the moment, you've got that kind of memory in the back of your brain that goes, oh, this might not actually kill me. I might be okay to go and do this presentation uh, because I remember mm. that uh, I thought about this and I prepared myself for this when I was feeling calm. And, and, and have you found, you know, obviously you've, I've not experienced probably the 
the extent of you know fear possibly of life that that you probably have in the context of what you've done in your in your your military career have you found that versus perhaps when you go and do a keynote speech do you do you do you are you getting the same feelings and then the same reaction and then you're trying to do this thing where you're actually making yourself be more cognitive more rational to try and minimize the fight or flight of running away and all what fear does to you in terms of making you sort of nervous and anxious and everything else um yes i do i get um so i did a talk yesterday and um it's normally 45 minutes that particular talk and they'd asked me to do it in 30 minutes and i'm sure you know if you've done this you'll know how hard it is to take bits out you're like oh no but i really like that um and I remember saying to the event organizer beforehand, I said it jokingly, but I said, Look, what happens if I go five seconds over? Will people kind of abseil in from the skylights and take me take me off to be interrogated? <laughs> because that's how much pressure, I suppose, I was putting on myself to be absolutely on time. We used to have time on targets when we were flying and it had to be plus or minus 30 seconds. And I take the same pride in my work when I'm delivering a keynote speech. And I, you know, and I finished with 20, 29 minutes and 31 seconds and I was like yes I'm within 30 seconds so I take the same kind of pride and the same kind of mindset into what I do um and so yes I do find it equally as thrilling and you know as as much adrenaline as I did before um I think what I've got I've got two benefits that maybe other people haven't had one is in the military we train all the time so I have been trained within an inch of my life which is actually what you realize quite a luxury most people in the corporate world just don't have that kind of training so i've got all of that sort of confidence in my ability to handle pressure that that just helps me to feel a bit calmer um and i think also you do get perspective you know when you've been to a conflict zone and you've had bullets um you know uh, fired at you you realize in the grand scheme of things it's not that bad if i go a minute over <laughs> so you kind of get <laughs> which just give you a little bit more confidence in the moment but I still bring that same sense of importance and that and I still put that you know hopefully the right amount of pressure on myself to perform at my very best um so it will still feel as rewarding to me as flying a time on target in a helicopter because obviously we're talking discomfort here and you know as we said before you know we live in a very comfort sort of uh world right now in things we're not really in a discomfort and it feels why should we as leaders be embracing discomfort what what are the benefits what 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 do we get out of it why should we push ourselves that we feel that uncomfortableness where we just don't like or potential scenario where we're feeling bullets are being fired at us and psychologically not really uh, but that's how it feels sometimes um what why should we do that as leaders i mean why should we just stay back and just be comfortable um yeah great question um i've there's so many answers that i want to give to that um so let me start um with one example um you know my leadership trait because there are lots of ways to lead aren't there and um i think most of us understand that there will be times you have to adapt leadership style depending on the situation now my leadership style is kind of out the front do what i say uh you know that's that's what i'm yeah, I'm, I'm quite good at being single-minded. Is that, um, that the, mili- the military style of, of leadership? Probably. I guess, <laughs> um, and, you know, people would call me a classic red or a high D or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, and as much as we need to give ourselves permission to be who we are, there are times that just doesn't work. There are times you have to slow down and, and, and take people through things slower. And it's not enough to just say, be there and cope. You know, you can, you can but that's 
not the best way to lead. So it's uncomfortable for me to slow down and to talk through detail with people. But if I really want to be the best leader that that I can, then I've got to sit with that discomfort and do things that don't come naturally to me. Um, and I might even resent a bit and go, why, why, why can't everyone just be more like me? But we all know that the best results come from very diverse teams that bring different perspectives to things. So leaders have got to be able to embrace that. And that means embracing things that are unfamiliar to us or maybe even feel threatening to us. Mm. So I think that's one reason. There are a, a host of other reasons that I could talk about if you want to, about why I think leaning into discomfort is so important. Yeah, and I, I think, please do, because I think that there is that element of when we're adapting ourselves to a scenario, as you say, you know, I'm a high D and when I meet somebody uh, who's more, uh, you know, sort of a C and wants detail and, and slower pace, uh, nothing wrong with slower pace, but my thinking is so much quicker. I have to really, you know, almost put the brakes on. That's how it feels like. And things are going from hundred miles an hour to like 10 miles an hour. And that is uncomfortable. Um, but that is to an, some extent uncomfortable to a, it's just my, my probably a minor irritation. What about mm. when there's real uncomfortableness where I'm, feeling, I'm in a situation where I'm, I guess, putting myself, why should I put myself out there to perhaps, mm. perhaps I've never done a keynote speech before. I've never done mm. presentations and I feel like part of what I do, I need to do that. Mm-hmm. Why would I do it? And thinking if, you know, and how do we overcome that barrier that comes against us that says internally your crit- inner critic goes, why are you doing yeah. it? Just a short interruption to the episode. To let you know that this podcast is brought to you in association with Lodge Court, who are experts in HR support. Are you worrying about employee performance, absences and leave? Are you struggling with attracting and retaining the best talent for your business? I personally know the people at Lodge Court and they can support you with every people issue you may face. So focus on what you do best and let Lodge Court deliver your HR support as an extension of your business with a tailored, flexible monthly retain package that is right for you and your people. Now back to the episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So again, I think there's a couple of things. Um, I refer to the stages of learning that we were talked about in the Air Force where you sort of start out at unconscious incompetence. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of this, and you ascend through conscious incompetence, conscious competence, and unconscious competence. Mm. I think they should come up with these your words but anyway so you start off not knowing how good or bad you are at something so you can imagine you're brilliant at it unconscious incompetence and then the first step really is conscious incompetence so you realize i'm not immediately brilliant at this and i've got some work to do and that would be your classic moment where people would go oh i've got imposter syndrome because i can't do this and everyone else can do it and i shouldn't be here and why should i bother but actually to get to conscious competence you've got to sit and spend time going well what what is it that I need to do to get to the next stage? What Mm. don't I know yet? Um, What do I want to be better at? So I think, first of all, you have to appreciate that you don't ascend the ladder of learning without leaning into stretch. And it's been well proven that growth happens in our stretch zone. Um, The second thing is, why should I bother? And that is where I think it's got to be tied to your own intrinsic motivation. So if it truly doesn't bother you to become a better speaker, then maybe don't. Um, but if it, if it's something that's really important to you and you've got your own intrinsic motivation uh, to do it, then you will have that motivation to put yourself out there and put yourself into stretch. So I think it's got to be linked to your own to mm. your own motivation and kind of what you stand for and what your purpose is. Yeah, no, I think that's that's important, isn't it? That 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 purpose piece actually, because that's in just doing things for the sake of doing it is is not going to help you overcome that. And, and I guess what 
we talked about when we talk a lot about people you know you grow when you're in outside your comfort zone and it almost becomes a bit cliche and and i think we perhaps need to understand what is happening when we are in that discomfort moment what is going on that is allowing us to grow allowing us to change and be different what have you experienced yourself and i guess what, what do you think the reason is is why we grow in that place rather than just being a, a cliche of a statement yeah and that's a great question so and i'm sort of turning to the science here so i i uh, we were always we always understood you know we call it the stress curve or the yerkes dodson curve where essentially you've got an amount of cortisol which is a good amount and cortisol we tend to refer to as the stress hormone but it's actually a wake enabler it's an alertness hormone um so if you're really bored you'll have low levels of cortisol or you might even be asleep um if you are absolutely panicking and you're in fight or flight you've got very high levels of cortisol mm-hmm. and your performance takes a massive nosedive um if you're in stretch you've got the optimum amount of cortisol so you'll be feeling you know a bit agitated and a bit nervous or whatever those things are because that's what that feels like and that's the sweet spot of cortisol and they've done lots of studies to show that that is essentially where your peak performance happens and the reason that the best learning happens there is because if you want to learn good behaviors to fall back on under pressure then the key to that is repetition so actually to be good under pressure you want to make these things automatic by doing them over and over and over again. So it makes sense that you want to repeat top performance behaviors over and over again. So you repeatedly put yourself in stretch over and over and over and over again, and then eventually that becomes automatic and you've then learned that and it's automatic, so you've got it to fall back on in pressure. So that's what I understand is the science behind why the best growth happens when you are in that stretch zone. Is it almost like layering each time you're sort of building, each time you're building up in terms of I've stretched, got comfortable with it because I've, I've I've repeatedly done it, got used to it, and I fall back now and actually I go to the next level. As yes. A, not as levels as such, but better version of yourself in terms of uh, understanding things and being more resourceful and everything else. I guess that's what, what's going on there, isn't it? Yeah, there's a couple of things there. I think, first of all, the more time you spend um, in stretch, actually, the bigger your comfort zone gets because you become comfortable being uncomfortable. So actually, you just become more tolerant of putting yourself out there so you can start to grow more and more and more. But I think also, Brenny Brown talks about this. She talks about instinct is actually your brain rapidly searching through a library of relevant experiences. So an instinctive decision to someone who's an expert in the field it won't be actually them making it up. It will be um, from all of those repeated experiences and exposures. that, And it will look like instinct because it's so natural and automatic, but it's come from years of relevant experiences. Yeah, because I find when, when you're in that zone of um, stretch, you call it stretch or outside that comfort zone, there's, you become incredibly alert. And I guess that's the cortisol that's, heightened a little bit which means you become aware of what you need to do and you can quite resourceful with it as well don't you in terms of falling back as you say on all the previous uh, and actually it, you almost become quite optimal uh, it doesn't it feels it's it's like an edge isn't it <laughs> and almost like a sweet spot that, that's going on what do you think um what are the barriers for people sort of going beyond getting into the stretch zone you know what, what do you think sort of holds people back where they just think, I'm not going to do it and don't go on that journey of sort of personal growth. 
Yeah, another great question. And I think there's a, a few things. And I'd be interested to know what, what you think as well. Um, I fear of failure. You know, what happens if I put myself out there? I've got further to fall. Um, it takes effort. Can I be bothered? You know, we are inherently lazy. And I say that as a compliment because essentially, um, if we want to survive, we want to be efficient, don't we? So we don't want to waste effort. Um, mm. So it's actually quite a good quality that we have. But, you know, the, yeah, it takes effort. So we have to be motivated to do it. Um, uh, I, so I think there's there's two things. There's push and there's pull, isn't there? There is, mm. can I be bothered? <laughs> Why should I be bothered? And what's going to happen to me if I get this wrong? Mm. Um, I think those are probably the two things. Um, and you can you can work on both of those. Yeah, and I think environments, as in people around you, because I find if, if you're around people who are pushing themselves or starting to sort of excel themselves, it, it creates an environment of leveling up, I guess, in that sense, doesn't it? So you, you feel a bit more inspired because other people are doing it. I think that's quite helpful. But also, I think you mentioned the fear of failure, and it goes into sort of the whole psychological safety piece, isn't it, where if you don't feel very safe in your environments, then you won't step out to try and learn something new you won't step out and think oh, so i'm going to make a mistake here and um, we're going to get it wrong because you know you don't feel safe and that and i think that's really important to make sure we create environments where people feel psychologically safe that will take those risks as a leader or an individual and really go for it and because i think what people understand people will make mistakes people will fail people will because they're pushing themselves and as you say you're in that incompetent stage transition where you're incompetent at something and before you become competent and and when you're incompetent you make mistakes and i think it's allowing that and i think i guess from an organizational point of view how do we i suppose create a culture where we're helping people to become a little bit more comfortable with being discomfort so um I get, I'm fascinated to know uh, what your views are on psychological safety because I do get on my high horse a bit about this. Um, it's simply because I'm not sure it's possible to make people feel safe and I'm not sure we necessarily want them to because if people feel safe, actually, they're not in stretch. <laughs> um, but I get what we're yeah. trying to do with psychological safety and it's definitely better than a toxic environment. Um, but I think we need to understand that psychological safety isn't something people inherit. It's something they create by being brave and putting themselves in stretch. Mm. Um, and, you know, the more you put yourself in stretch, the more comfortable you feel putting yourself in stretch. So I think it's comfortable being uncomfortable is really what we're talking about here. That's what psychological... Mm safety is and I, ideally we all have the self-belief to go if I fail that's okay and we can also reframe how we see failure as you say no one's going to not make mistakes and actually if you're not making mistakes you're probably not changing your behavior mm. you're just doing the same thing calling it something different um, so actually mistakes are a measure of progress so we can reframe how we even see yeah failure and mistakes and in, in which case we wouldn't be so scared of it but I think the big thing is just understanding that you might never feel completely safe and you don't need to because you're brave. You've got everything you need to go out there mm -hmm. and just push yourself, um, you know, into the discomfort zone. That's a great perspective, actually, because yeah, we're, we're sort of talking two things here, isn't it? The sort of psychological safety, which is a, a good thing in, in some, one context, but in another place, we want people to feel a little bit sort of discomfort with it. So not safe. <laughs> um, and I suppose, for me, the psychological safety piece is 
it's an environmental thing. It's it's a, a culture, whatever you want to call it, where people feel they can step into the arena. You know, Brené Brown talks about you know being mm. um, stepping into the arena. You know, without knowing the outcome, without knowing whether success or failure is going to happen. That's all. That's all. Bravery, sort of being brave about things and that courage. Mm. Um, but actually, and that to me is is creative. Where usually leaders, that's where leaders need mm. to lead and take do the same thing themselves they're doing the things where they're stepping forward making mistakes but open owning those mm. mistakes and being transparent and say look i've made a mistake but i'm stepping forward and yeah. sort of come and join me and that, that's to me that's the environment you want to create that's why that to me is like a safety where people can feel they can go for it because their leaders are all doing it and pushing mm. ahead of us yeah i totally agree and i think it's just interesting yeah really i'm just getting um very pernickety about language here um mm. but it, it is interesting and actually i didn't think about it until you just said that is psychological safety being in your comfort zone and we, we all know that's not not that not, not we all know but i think we can agree here that that's probably not what we want but what we do want is people to feel inspired to go and step out of their comfort zone and i think feeling inspired is probably in my personal view more important than feeling safe and i'm talking about you know psychologically safe in a workspace obviously sure. i'm not saying people shouldn't feel safe to walk out of their own houses clearly yeah no, it, it's, it's for me it's it's the, it's the environmental piece that you feel you can you can step out and be mm. brave and be yourself and think i'm going to go for this and feel a bit uncomfortable with it. that that's the environment we want to have isn't it where people do that yes. so how, from from just that that's a great discussion actually how do we create that place where people will be pushing themselves to be feeling discomfort because they know they're going to grow what, what mm. have you experienced either yourself personally or what you've observed environments where that is really um happening so you know, in the military we were we really prided ourselves on it you know prided ourselves on sharing our learning and we had a just culture which meant that you could talk about failure um so we really worked at it and i think that's one of the things is it it will be a constant work in progress and you'll never get there um, probably, and that's not a bad thing. But also, I think you know, leadership. Um, I think we're all leaders within our own right. Um, but if someone else goes first and shows you the way, then you will feel inspired to follow their lead. So you know, go mm. first and and share mistakes, or um, you know, invite people to disagree with you, or whatever that leaning into discomfort looks like for you. Go first mm. and show the way. Um, and I think then also recognize that when other people have stepped up. Um, it's very easy to go, well, they, they're just really confident that wasn't an issue for them, but most of us aren't as confident as we look. So it's great just to go, that's fantastic. What you did there, you know, I feel really inspired by what you did. Um, you know, thank you for doing that. I, you know, I'd like to follow your example. So I think it's recognizing when people do it because mm. it's so easy to imagine that they found it really easy. And most of us don't. Yeah, and I think the the following or the people setting an example can be quite a, a powerful thing, isn't it? the whole role modelling piece? And um, I, I don't know if you've seen the film Fourteen Peaks, uh, where Nimstar does Fourteen Peaks in Himalayas and Pakistan as well, um, and he gets the K two because he does it in like about seven or eight months. It's ridiculous, uh, absolutely crazy, and um, he gets the K two and and joins a team that that, that they've tried two attempts and not done it. And so the night before he has this, like, they all have a party. He gets everybody dancing, singing, having fun. The next day he goes out and does it and absolutely smashes it because it was quite a tough year, apparently, to do it. He does K2 and then it comes down. Next day 
and then the other teams that that were there feel inspired well this guy's just done it he can do it we're okay in the same weather window and they all did it the next day wow uh, or, or whatever next day or two i don't know how long it takes and it's almost sometimes people just need to step out and actually other people will will be see that what you can do and actually being brave and pushing the boundaries will help other people draw into that discomfort as well in that context yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um and in terms of people connecting with you, thank you for your time today, uh, Sarah. Um, how can people sort of connect and get in touch, find a bit more about what you do and how you can help them? Um, so I've also really enjoyed chatting to you. Thank you. And um, so I, I hang out on LinkedIn because I'm cool. <laughs> so I do I do post a lot on LinkedIn. Um, and my handlers, is, if, you, if you have handles, Sarah Furness, Sarah J Furness, I think. I've got an initial in there. Um, I've got a website, sarahfurness.com which is nice and easy to remember. Um, so that those are probably the first two places and it, you'll find all my contact details on either of those, um, either the website or, or LinkedIn. So do come and say hi, share with me what your thoughts are on this. Brilliant. Well, thank you for your time today. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you like this episode, then please rate, review and share it with your friends and colleagues. As a coaching practice, I coach high-performing leaders and teams with extreme ambitions, and it will help you go beyond what you believe is possible. If this sounds like you, then let's have a conversation. You can contact me at julianrobertsconsulting.com.